Setting up the 18th AFL franchise in a region not familiar with the code was never going to be easy. Strong leadership was going to be required to face the challenges that came along in the early years of growth and transformation. The Leaders podcast speaks with the people who've shaped this club and have helped play key roles the club has grown from not just a men's football team, but to now include an AFL women's side as well as Giants netball. When people speak of a football club, they often think of kicks and handballs, but the Giants have quickly grown to be so much more than that. Welcome to The Leaders. In this episode, Giants AFL head coach Leon Cameron talks about developing his coaching philosophies and how he's grown as both a coach and a person over the past six seasons. Leon Cameron, thank you for coming along today. We will talk about your leadership as a coach, but first of all, I want to know who had an influence on you as a footballer in the early days when you're brand new into it and you're sort of realising who's good at what, who struck you as a as a strong leader early on? Thanks for having me, Em, on your podcast. Pleasure. Um, <laughs> uh, very privileged. Um, I think, um, firstly, I mean, leadership's such a broad topic to discuss because there's so many different parts to it. But, um, I mean, I think my mother had a very big um, say in... Um, how I lead today and that was probably the empathy side of it where she showed um, you know bringing us kids up at a young age how much empathy she would always show to her uh, friends family and also her kids Um, did you know that she was like that at the time or is that something you realize as you get older no you don't realize at the time and you probably fight it at the time at time because young kids are just bullet gates and I was no different but clearly, um, as you get into your teens and push towards that 17, 18, 19 mark, um, you start realising the habits that she instilled in her children, me being one, um, you then realise, oh, that's why um, we were doing that. That's why um, she always taught the basics on, on you know good manners, good behaviour. Um, and so uh, I think that, that has a big big say in how you become the person you are when you're a young young kid Um, and then it's just a number of different experiences you have and you take in and some you agree and some you disagree on but you know I was lucky enough to have Neil Clark um, the premiership player at Essendon um, when I first came down at under 19 level at Footscray when I was 16 and he was very very tough and but fair Um, and I, I must reiterate but fair because there's still room in this world to be tough, but as long as you're fair. And uh, he was just um, all about, you know, um, doing the basics really well, um, sticking to team rules or team philosophies and doing that over and over again. And if you stepped out of that or stepped out of line, then he would come down really hard, but he would be really fair because then as you got to know him, he would then appreciate the ability that you would have um, compared to the person beside you or the next person. So he'd also then treat the individual as well. Yep. So I then had Terry Wheeler, um, who was a terrific family man and um, instilled great values in terms of what we had at Footscray at a rocky time when the club nearly um, merged. Um, 
and I could go on and on and on. I then had a, Alan Joyce and Terry Wallace and Danny Frawley as my coaches. Um, and they all had uh, different parts to um, their, their take on leadership that you take in and, you know, probably use yourself now. How old were you when that was all happening at, at Footscray when, when they nearly, yeah, when nearly so lost them? I was um, 1988, I played under 19s in reserves with, with under Neil. Um, and Terry Wheeler was a senior coach then. Uh, sorry, Mick Malthouse was a senior coach then. It then Terry Wheeler was the reserves coach. We then um, looked like it was going to merge with Fitzroy. And so I was 17 years old, 16 going on 17, and um, we didn't know whether we were going to have a club. And um, yeah, everyone knows the story and the rest was history and um, Footscray survived and um, Terry Wheeler took over and Peter Gordon came in, so it was fantastic. Knocked on cleverly by Beveridge into the path of Cameron. Cameron deep in the pocket, pulls it back. Normally is a chance from there, and that's a magnificent goal. The best of the afternoon. Reynolds chips away, gets Libertore, oh, just a little far again. It's twice Reynolds has missed his mark. Cameron, well, he's going to go all the way himself, running into a bad angle, kicks the goal! Yeah, it's just interesting to see who does what in those times. And I don't know if you were too young to to take it in. I was having a chat to Alan McConnell for another episode um, and he was talking about sort of the last days of Fitzroy when everybody mm. knew it was over and who still showed resilience and who still turned up and, and did all those sorts of things. Um, yeah. And that really, he noticed that as coach. Yeah. I just wonder if you noticed it as a kid who's, like, it's really tough here, this club might go, who's, yeah. who's showing the way. Oh, look, there's no doubt there's some similarities and uh, in terms of, um, f- firstly, when I was at Footscray and the possibility of merging to and also when you first come up here at the Giants when um, where's the direction of the footy club, you've had one win, um, are you going to survive? We're in a foreign part of Australia in terms of AFL um, and supporters are coming but they're coming you know, slowly but surely they're coming. But So all that doubt does creep into people's minds. But I, it's like anything, you, you're probably judged on your, uh, you know, people are judged under the mo- when you're under the most pressure. And uh, there was some phenomenal efforts when I was at Footscray. I mean, Terry, as I said, Terry Willer put up his hand and helped rebuild that footy club for four or five years. Peter Gordon stepped in, Irene Chatfield. And I could only, I could go on and on and on. And then you name players, Doug Hawkins, who was, Footscray through and through, Steve McPherson, and they just wanted to make sure the club survived and then had to put itself in a position to flourish. And we did survive, and then we got into the finals, and then we started to become that you know, really good club again. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. And then, as I said before, you you know, I come up here at the end of 2012, and, um, you know, you come off a two-win season, and it's a young club, and you're trying to survive and see where you head and who's going to stay and who's going to go. There's similar similar similarities, and um, um, it's great seeing a number of people that are still here at this at this place. From those days, yeah. Like when you when you went to Footscray and got got into the system, for want of a better word, I suppose like the club was well established. It had its culture. You were stepping into something that was in place and and well established. As I said, was it different to come up here when the club was still so young and you could come up and play a really big part in creating and setting the culture and what what the place stood for yeah absolutely and uh it was a a fantastic opportunity to be given and 
so I never ever looked at it as a um, um, oh this is going to be difficult. Uh, I probably looked at it there'll be challenges and we we know that, but I want you know you want to have those challenges and you turn them into good challenges and um, you move your family up and you know ninety eight percent of the footy club has had to move with your staff or players and and that in itself is a is a great challenge, but one that you actually look back and say, gee, we had some fun doing that. Have we learned a lot? Did we make some mistakes? Yes, we did. And uh, um, but um, really, you know, really proud that you probably created an environment where um, someone actually still wanted to work and walk into work, regardless if the facility wasn't up to AFL standard in that first in that infant stage, whether it be playing surface, whether it be facilities. Um, whatever it may be and so in that infant stage it was you can always turn and make an excuse and say oh we're not training well because of x um how are we supposed to win a game or put a team together because our gym might be substandard and so you can always have uh you know that um in a glass half you know full approach or you can really throw yourself full you know fully in and uh and what i've found is staff have just been outstanding um people who've actually been here but also have moved on to other opportunities they just they all thought the same i don't think it was a sort of like you one one moment where you stand up and write on the board if you work at this footy club you must give everything you've got yeah i think it's just a general sense and a feeling when you look at someone across the room and you say well yeah you moved from adelaide or you moved from perth and uh, how's your family how's your kid and you connect really quickly and then that bond and then that respect starts to, to starts to happen and that's what's happened at this footy club and um you know it's one that um you know you're really proud of people embraced it and sort of looked after each other yeah and we, we would often say you know we're like expats because you know we obviously we didn't have to move overseas but you're looking for new friends and uh, um, your family are your footy club and um, and then you start building networks outside of the footy club and you involve them as well. So um, I think that's really helped, um, made it really tough for staff that have had to leave, have gone um, elsewhere. When they left, that just made it really hard. They've always left on great terms. Players that have left, I mean, you don't want to lose players, but um, unfortunately you've just got to turn over players every year and yep. that's tough. But still to this day a lot of current players six seven years ago are great friends with our current playing group and current coaches as well and so in that sense we must have done something you know pretty well and i think that was a sense of family and and um you know that feeling of just generally yep we're here and we want to do the job the best of our ability and we're not going to whinge and moan about some of the things that have come across our desk we just got on with it as a leader, how important a role, and as a leader for the entire club, I suppose, how important is the senior coach? That's a broad question, but what yeah. do you, what sort of responsibility do you feel about not just coaching the players and getting the team out on the on the field every week and teaching them what to do, but in helping, yeah, um, helping the club form its own identity and, and sense of where it wants to get to. Yeah, look, it's 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 intriguing because it's it is one position, and um, and there's probably another thirty positions in your footy staff um, that hold an enormous amount of weight. Because you know, without the jigsaw coming together, then you can't put a program for your players to flourish. So, 
no doubt there, in any organisation there has to be a leader and the senior coach is one of them along with the footy manager and CEO and other you know other people and you know that's why you have leadership groups and, and captains um, the coach you know like any has to lead by example in terms of physically I'd love to physically do it but I, I can't um, and I, I am actually a believer that if you can physically lead by example in terms of some of the training then I think that's one aspect of it um, mentally you've always got to be um, thinking about um, it can't be just it's sorry it, it's not about you it's about everyone else um, and uh, it's easy to say that but actually to play that out every day when you're in the footy club it's hard to do and you know because you know we're, we've got emotions with exactly the same as everyone else and that'll go up and down and that'll fluctuate it's just trying to keep that in check when things might be going as well injuries come along um the setbacks that happen in a footy club and then there's more downs and ups because of the way you know the nature of the beast but if you let that emotional roller coaster sort of probably get out of control good and obviously bad um it can become a bit erratic and then people might look at you and say, well, are you really in control? So I think just having a really calm outlook on a really good program, um, you're not judging every result on the weekend um, on a win-loss basis, even though we are judged harshly from the outside world um, on win-loss, but that's the industry you're in. So he holds a lot of weight, the coach, um, and also the players, um, I think you get a really good, gauge of you know if the players are responding to instructions um and uh talk and game plan and leadership and they're responding to the coach then obviously you feel as though that you've got the full support um and um you know i I feel that i have that here yeah what are the things that you can't be ready for as a senior coach and you had a really like long and thorough lead in to taking over the job here um at this club and other clubs, but are there things that you just can't be ready for as a senior coach until you're actually in the position doing it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, rap that I had 10 years of, a, of apprenticeship and then um, under, you know, Alistair Clarkson, Rodney Eid and um, Fasheeds as well. Um, so I think um, you're exactly right. I think you go in knowing, well, I'm about, you know, you feel as though you're ready, mm. but then you could be a day, two days, four days into the job, four weeks, and something will come across your desk and you'll go, oh, I haven't prepared for this. And, and as an example, it will be a non-stop line-up of 15 players wanting to see the senior coach. Now, you might think that you're ready for it, but those 15 will want to discuss all different angles of the game on a Monday or Tuesday, yep, which I absolutely love, and you know I base myself. I think I'm a people's person, so I think that's one of my strengths. And so, but it doesn't matter how good you think you might be doing that until you actually happens, and you'll get out of fifteen. There will be five that are really happy and heading in the right direction and happy with their game, and there'll be five or six you'll have some great debate over of um, what could you have done here and well done here and there'll be four or five that are really struggling and trying to hang on to their position. And um, and so you, at times you can feel like a father figure and other times you've got to be stern and feel like a teacher and another you're being their coach as well. So And then you've got to have that over and over again yeah. every day um, <laughs> except for when they have their off-season because there's going to be players lobbying and wanting to play AFL footy really, really quickly. And, and you want that. 
which is fantastic. Yeah. And I don't know whether, um, you know, the times have changed, but there's a lot of impatient players across the league, which is a good thing because they want to get there in a hurry. Um, so there's that. There's Then you've got to make sure your staff delegation is, um, again, very easy to say. I was going but, to ask you about yeah. that. Is Like it's just a word that gets thrown around, but is it easy to, when you're new in the job and getting used to it yourself, to, to do that? Yeah, I, look, I think um, good leadership is about learning from your mistakes and learning from things at work as well. And uh, I, I no doubt was would have been a control freak at the start. It's hard not to be. Um, well, you waited when, a long time for the... Yeah, for your yeah. to do it. When's the turning point? Um, I think it probably takes a few years. If you ask any other senior coach, you want to get your hands on everything. You want to be in every meeting. You want to make sure you have your input on every little thing that's going on in your program. But uh, the more and more you actually um, are into the job, embedded in the job, you actually sometimes sit back and laugh and say, why was I in that last year? I don't need to be in that. Um you know, Lenny Hayes can do that really, really well. Um, Amon Buchanan can control that meeting. Um, and so delegation is easy to say but hard to do because um, you've got to work out and trust the people around you to make sure it's done, but also you've got to trust yourself that you're comfortable with it, and that's the biggest thing. And, um, you know, I've worked hard on that, and um, the last couple of years there's no doubt that that's come, become easier. It's still not um, over the line in terms of, oh, yeah, he's a great delegator. I don't think anyone could turn around and say that yet at this footy club, but they would turn around and say he's got a lot better in the last two or three years. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because I guess, like, as a coach, you get developed to a point where you're ready to take on a senior job. So you've gone through that process where others have helped teach you things or put ideas in your head that you've worked on yourself. And, and then suddenly you're in the job and you've got to then do the same thing for others and it feels a bit funny because you know sometimes you feel as though uh, well should i be delegating that i mean you know sound if it feels a little bit silly sometimes yeah but i think once you get to know all your staff and give them responsibility i mean i know when i was assistant coach i relished on giving giving anything like yeah, give needs to to take i want you to take this pre-season i want you to coach this um you know this pre-season game you know take this uh pre-season camp uh, you just jump into it and love it and so you got to keep thinking back what you really learnt from and not everyone's going to be the same but I can clearly see when coaches are given more responsibility they 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 flourish and they step up to the plate so no different there but um I mean press conferences is another one you've asked about half of the game I feel really comfortable talking about things uh in the game regardless of the result I mean obviously you're going to be emotionally tied to the match when you're you know, 10, 15, 20% happier, lose. Yep. Um, in, a, in a close game, it's disappointing, but great positive still. Get belted, you feel down the dumps, but you still got to represent your footy club in a really positive manner without actually getting people then looking at it and saying they're just seeing right through you. You've actually got to be genuine. real and genuine. Yep. And uh, I really feel as though I do that after the game. But during the week when you're talking about things just other than your footy clubs always challenging you know you can prepare yourself as much as you would like but if someone talks about an issue at another football club and they want to comment on it um being genuine about it um that's always interesting and i think you know preparing for that is um well you can't because you don't get that opportunity until you're actually in the job 
Time for a quick break on the Leaders podcast to talk about Giants of Business. This exciting new project is part of the Giants commercial program, focusing on making connections and business referrals across the Giants corporate partner network. The Giants have a strong portfolio of blue chip corporate and community partners, with this program making it easier to connect than ever before. Through a range of events and strategic introductions, the Giants of Business program is an opportunity not to be missed. For more information, contact Anthony Butler. His details are available in the description of this podcast. Now back to the leaders. How flexible do you have to be as a, as a senior coach and a leader when you, I suppose, you've prepared for this job and you've, over the years, I imagine, like built up your own ideas and philosophies and ways that you wanted to do things coming in. Do those philosophies get tested pretty quickly and do you have to alter change find new ways i suppose that's part of the part of the fun of the job but you have flexible um do you have to be sort of when you're when you're leading the way and things are happening um ultimately um ultimately you're judged um rightly or wrongly on how your club plays every weekend and how they represent your the, the club off the field and so it's a stab in your side if something's going wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's an incident off the field, then that can reflect on the senior coach or the culture that the footy club has set. So um, if you're not doing the right things and setting the right agenda, you have to be flexible to hear that. Um, if you are, you've still got to be flexible to hear that so you can continue to do that or add value. So... The flexibility questions is interesting because um, um, you have to take lots of suggestions from the from the people that are involved and uh, and the ones that you employ that you trust because if you don't then you might as well just go back to the one band one man band team and just coach and do everything and not involve everyone and I uh, I flexibility is a big thing I I do listen to everyone. Um, but ultimately what happens in, in all that decision-making process, you've got to listen and you've got to say, is that the right thing? Yep, it is. We need to make a change. Yep. Um, and you've got to be careful because if I listen to person A and and make that change straight away and then B comes along and says something, I'll make another change, then I'll be just jumping in shadows all the time. And uh, So I've actually found myself thinking about a number of things, you know, either throughout the week or overnight, and not making a decision until I've thought through it about when was the last time we made a change. Do we need to really look at this? Yep. What's the big picture? Um, again, are you prepared for that? No, until you're actually in the job. And probably in that early years of 13 and 14, I probably would have jumped to some changes straight away and looked back and said, why, why did I do that? I didn't need to jump that quickly. Um, so I think you become a lot wiser and you take your time to actually think. But then you have to make a decision because they're waiting for the result. Regardless of whatever they've suggested, do we need to move the ball a bit faster? Are we going too slow? Uh, Do we mean to be man-on-man defence? No, can we zone a lot more? All these things that you get thrown at, you've got to give everyone a decision so then we can move forward. And they're not only waiting for the decision, but I guess the way that you respond to that decision too, isn't it? It's really important. If you respond in a, um, a spoilt little brat and say, oh, well, well, I nah. don't agree on it, yeah. um, but I'll go with it. Then no, the, the, the dialogue and the talk is not going to um, progress into the future. Whereas um, 
if you support it and support it wholeheartedly and you jump in behind the person that might have suggested it, player, coach, staff member, it doesn't matter, uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to have a few more wins yeah. um, if you sort of have that approach. Yep. You mentioned early on your mum and, and empathy and um, and that that was something that she really instilled in you. What does that mean to you in terms of dealing with, I guess, players first of all? Um who are the ones who have to run out there every weekend? Yeah, what what does that what does that mean? Does it mean caring about them, what's going on in their lives, what's mm. what's driving them? What Yeah. Yeah, why is that so important to you? Oh, no doubt, um, because of the experiences I would have had earlier as a as a as a young kid, um, growing up, um, um they la- they're lasting. Everyone's everyone's grown up years or teenage years or infant years you, you you remember you don't remember it all you remember the good you remember the bad and you take in some things um and so from there forms helps form who you are so empathy is definitely um um you know genuine empathy not just the word empathy genuine empathy is is at the forefront of my mind all the time and it's empathy for how hard the game is yes i've played the game but it's it's a really hard game and uh you know, uh, everyone will keep on judging um, um, each decade of footy. You know, what was better, 90s over 2000s to, two, to now. Um, I don't know whether I'm just being soft or, or whatever, but um, it seems like the game's so hard. It's in great shape, but it is so hard. They hit so hard. There's lots of injuries. There's a lot to deal with. There's a lot of pressure. Because of there's a lot more media outlets, there's a lot. You got to answer to more supporters. You got to answer to more public scrutiny than what I ever played. And so with that, can um, you know? I, I feel for our players. Um, some like that, and so that doesn't mean I don't have empathy for them when they're you know copying it from every angle. Um, but um, yeah, I just know that the game is really really hard. Not only to just play as an individual and perform to the limit that you want to. But then joining in with 21 other players and getting the ultimate result, and that's winning the game. And in that 22 players that win a game every weekend, there's probably going to be 22 that are happy you've won, but there'll be eight or nine that'll be not happy with their individual performance. And then out of those eight or nine, there could be three or four that are feeling, oh, God, I'll be out of the side next week. And so then all of a sudden, it's the next week is a spiral down. And so... Jugging with all those different emotions is, is, is huge in elite sport and we're no different. So I genuinely genuine empathy for that. But also um, players are only in it for a short amount of time and with the average playing age is, you know, playing time is probably four years. Yep. Um, and w- when they're in there, whether they're from 18 or when they come in a little bit later or when they finish at 26 or 32 or whatever it may be, I... Um, I, I want them to uh, have achieved something off the field as well as on. You know, on the field we're ultimately looking to play the game, play in finals and win grand finals, but off the field you actually want them to um, set themselves up um, because they're putting their bodies on the line. Um, and, um, you know, you ultimately want them to walk away with uh, spending the money wisely, educating themselves in the best possible manner and then making a really good life of it whenever that time comes um, when it finishes. Yeah, okay. Yep. And do you like to know how me- how people tick? Like if you feel you really understand how someone functions and and what drives them, will that help you sort of show them the way a lot a lot easier or a lot more Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, in a way I can 
talk to Heath Shaw might be a different different way to talk to Aiden Bonner or or Brent Daniels. I mean, there's everyone can handle hard feedback um, in their own way, and some might um, handle it in a way that um, they shut up shop. So, do I go there again in that manner? Um, but I think having conversation and clear conversation with as many players as I possibly can throughout every week through pre-season and in-season is only beneficial and um, um, and regardless of how hard they may be. You know, a player might be knocking on the door for five or six weeks at NEFL level. He doesn't want to be playing NEFL. He wants to be playing AFL. But if he can't get in because there's a couple of players ahead of him, then that's the conversation. you just got to say, well, that's where we're at. Yep. Um, and that's hard sometimes because you're not giving a young person hope at times. But it's also learning the hard way as well. Um, doing a good, tough apprenticeship, I'm a believer, of makes you value you know, the game a little bit more. But um, it's always hard when you've got players that want to play you know, tomorrow. Yeah, they all want to play. What did Sheeds teach you about being a senior coach? And the figurehead, I suppose, in this in this um, community particularly, which is, I suppose, is, a, is quite a bit different to coaching at, at a suburban Melbourne club. Yeah, it is. I mean, I think, um, I mean, she's just great. He just said, she, she said you've got to be yourself. So I couldn't come up here and say I'm going to try to be Kevin Sheedy. That would not it's, be easy. <laughs> it's, um, you know, we know his capabilities of yeah. attracting a headline um, growing the game, um, building a club from scratch. Um, you know, not many people would have known Kevin Sheedy in Western Sydney, but if it hadn't been another coach, they wouldn't have known him at all. Don't and ever let any club or player dominate you at a ball, at a stoppage, in the air or on the ground. That is the essence of simple, bloody, basic, Football now, let's get it going. And so, but by the time he left after two years, and we didn't win many games, a lot of people would have known him because of his uh, his nature, the way he comes across. He he actually genuinely cares about AFL footy and growing the game in Australia, and, and he'd love to grow it overseas, as we've seen him promote that before. So uh, he's a um, like he's a he's a walking billboard. He's got that much. Um, going on in his brain and information um, about the game itself and reliving moments, um, key moments in AFL, VFL. Um, he's just unbelievable and he, he he's the greatest promotion that we've had at the footy club because he can actually not only just put, him, put himself on a billboard, he can walk into downtown Parramatta and he wouldn't be scared to go and talk to, you know, three or four different people any given time and tell them the story about the Giants. So um, he's he's that person and he's big and he's really big, you yeah. know, um, in terms of personality. Um, you know, I'm, I probably go about my business in a bit more quieter way, but I'm also mindful that we are here to promote the game of AFL and gain as much support as we possibly can in AFL footy, you know, let alone the Giants. And um, so there's times you actually check yourself and think, do, do I need to be more outgoing at times? Um, and times I have tried that. And sometimes it doesn't feel natural, but other times it does. And uh, 
but one thing is you just got to be yourself and um, and back yourself in. Is like everyone says in in high profile positions, um, um, because you don't want to sit back and say if only oh, I should have done this or I should have been myself. And but he was a wonderful support and continues to be for our footy club. And um, whenever you run into Sheeds, he's no doubt he's you know he's got his heart with you know the Essendon Footy Club and Richmond where he played premierships. But he's also you know he's also with us as well. Yeah, absolutely. How interesting has it been, like, to, to get to this club when the playing group was was pretty young, just to see who's emerged as leaders and who's kind of taken charge of the group in a playing sense, and and really help shape what the group wants to do and what it stands for. Obviously, Phil and Cal were, were young co-captains at that stage, and they I'm sure they've grown and developed in in your time here. But yeah, just to watch these young kids grow up together must have been really interesting. Yeah, it is. It's um. I mean, is leadership born? Um, is leadership made? Um, you know, can you develop it? I think there's a combination of all three, but I think no doubt when it's born, it makes it a lot easier. Um, I mean, Phil and, and Callan coming into their eighth year as co-captains, which is phenomenal effort, and you know the way they've grown and transitioned into fine young men that lead a footy club every weekend is is great. But Stephen Canelo is a great example as well. I mean. He's come from WA, he's come as a 17-year-old, he's moved over and he's coming into his eighth year. Um, he's been with our footy club through thick and thin and he uh, he absolutely thrived probably on that underdog tag early um, in terms of that's, you know, we're, we might be young, we mightn't be uh, physically ready to compete with the big but we'll continue to go down swinging and uh, he's carried that through all the way through and... Um, and, and his leadership's developed because he knows he wants to play finals every year and he wants to ultimately win a grand final. And to do that, it's not just about Stephen Cornelio being a better player. He wants he wants um, Zach Langdon, he wants Sam Taylor, he wants the new draftees, he wants Nick Haynes, he wants those guys to to play their best footy as early as he, they possibly can. And so he will chip away in his own way as becoming a leader. And there's out, outgoing leadership and then there's just this spiritual leadership that they'll chip away at in their own way and we're lucky with we've, we've you know we've got um ward and davis and Cornelio and kelly and de boer setting the scene in terms of our leadership group um but adding to that you know adam kennedy and adam Tomlinson who have been here from from scratch as well have really just developed into fine young men and uh you know i could go on and on and on and that makes you feel really proud because it's the environment you create so they can um, um develop but also you know, no doubt their upbringing has, has, has allowed them to do that. And they still are quite young, really, most of them. Even though they've been here for eight or nine years, I forget they're only 17, a lot of them, when they turned up. So yeah, They're still I mean, young and still figuring it out, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, analytics will always say you're probably in your best prime age of sport at 23, 24 to about 27, 28. So in that case, they're probably coming into that now. But... Um, yeah, they're 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 willing to try anything, and um, they train hard. And you know, as a coach, you can't be more proud of that because as long as they're given everything they got, then um, you can't you can't sit back and say you know they didn't they didn't have a crack. Yeah, do you read much about leadership or pay much attention to sort of other coaches around the world, or I don't know if there's anyone whose way of doing things is, doing things has has kind of appealed to you. Yeah, I do. Time. I do. I mean, again, I I do. I always hear Kevin Sheedy's 
advice and that's you've got to be yourself and so sometimes if you read way too much you're then probably angling in on that person or that particular thing that you're watching but in saying that um you know i mean the last couple of months i've been really interested in um man city's um documentaries from last year um you know it was eight episodes and um the coach pep guardiola was just interesting he's very interesting i love watching it um and how he leads his players and how he has genuine care and empathy for his players um you know, you, you can look all over the over the world, and there's always going to be either a book or an article or an, uh, on an organisation, whether it be sport or business, um, that you're always going to pull out some really good points. And you sort of take them all, and you go, "Yeah, I, I can understand that. I can understand why they did that. Because um, that's a little bit radical. Um, would I do that here at this footy club? I think you always, when you read something, and then when you compare another organisation, you always say, "Is that?" Is that in your thinking? Is that your philosophy? Or do you need to change a little bit? And I have changed, as I said before, I reckon. There's no doubt I give more responsibility and you delegate a lot more, and that's through trust. Um, How do you run your program? How many minutes of the year can you be in front of the group Hmm. um, to have a maximum impact? Impact, yeah. Um, And you judge that um, by hearing other people's stories um, or books that they might have written. Um, but uh, reading, like I'm reading The Captain's Club at the moment, which is a really good book, and they talk about these seven captains over the, over, over the journey back, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, different sports, about how unique they were and how ruthless were they were. Some were just like smiling assassins. Yeah. Some were quiet and just ruthless on the field. Some were outgoing. And so they're all different. So you got to sort of take a little bit from everyone and say, well, is that you? If it's not, then be yourself. Yeah. Is that what you always come back to, be yourself, as well, Sheets' as a voice in, in the back yeah, of your head? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think when you're trying to be someone else too re- – that, that doesn't mean you can't take advice. I think I take advice as good as anyone because you're trying to better yourself, but you can't be – you know, on a percentage terms, you can't be sort of saying, well, I'm going to be 50% Leon Cameron, I'm going to be 50% Pep Guardiola because – it's just not going to sit right. I'll be 95% Leon Cameron, but I'm going to take a little bit of that out of what i just seen then because that's a great idea. And I reckon we can put that in our program. Apply it here, yeah. And, and yeah, I guess to finish up, do you always want to be a little bit uncomfortable as a leader? Do you, do you want to get to a point where you know everything and you're perfect at everything and nothing can phase you or do you just want that little bit of something? There's got to be something more. Yeah, or something yeah. to get I better at, something something new to learn, something... Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've, you know, perfection's a pretty strong word and, um, you know, I mean, maybe there's some people out there that have perfected their art um, and craft and I know I haven't. Um, so I'm always on edge a little bit in terms of um, challenging myself. Um, am I doing a really good job? Am I doing the right thing? And that's ultimately giving a player an opportunity to be to chase his dream and be better than when he walked in the door um, from the day he walked in the door and can he add value to the to the organization and the team when they run out in the weekend so i mean yeah it's 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 fascinating because um you search and search and search because you want to be uncomfortable i reckon if you didn't search 
you're probably sitting there thinking you know everything, and clearly I don't. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> Thank you very much, Leon. Enjoyed the chat. Cheers, Em. Thanks for listening to The Leaders. If you're not already a Giants member, head to membership.gwsgiants.com.au to sign up today. There's a package to suit everyone. And make sure to subscribe to The Leaders so you don't miss next week's episode featuring Giants General Manager of Football, Wayne Campbell.